Shame of Thrones, your weekly recap podcast for HBO's uh, slow descent to banality, uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, my name is Doug, with me as always is Brian, and this was a real turd sandwich of an episode, except there was no bread, it was all turd. Um, <laughs> that's yes. how I felt about it, Brian. What are your initial impressions of this episode? I was really disappointed. I had high hopes going into this episode. I'm not sure why I did, uh, because in retrospect, the preview wasn't that great. You know, there was a lot of boring choices, I thought. Um, there was a lot of wheel spinning, it seemed like, some of really egregious wheel spinning, and a lot of filler. You know, for, for them making the episode supposedly longer to finish out this season, well, if you're going to fill it with shit, I don't really care. So there were a couple of interesting scenes, and we'll talk about them, but I, I was really disappointed with this episode. Right, I feel the same way. I feel like, uh, I mean, I, I, I will say I'm disappointed more so because I really like last week's episode. I thought it was a, a pretty goddamn great episode. Um, you know, I had my problems with it, uh, especially towards the end with the whole are you getting stabbed thing, and it didn't make any sense at the time, and it still doesn't in retrospect. Um, right. But I, but everything else, I, I really liked a lot of what was happening in King's Landing, and every at every turn, this episode uh, just shat, uh, just shat the bed. Uh, it, this this whole episode can be, I guess, summed up by wasted potential, or just everything was a waste. Uh, yeah, it seemed like every decision went the boring way or the predictable way when there actually were, were writing decisions made, but then just a lot of padding, it seemed like. Right, and yeah, a lot of weird conversations between people that were inconsequential and then went on forever. Um, yes. And we'll get to it in our review, but uh, I just I, I just want to say, I, I'm sure a lot of people are pissed because I listen to uh, other recap and review podcasts during the week, and last week, people had all sorts of crazy expectations and were going into, okay, what happened to Arya was so terrible that it must be masterful. There must be, she must be trading places. That's not really Arya. That's jocking wearing Arya's face. And Arya's got a plan or she put blood in her, uh, in a bladder like the, the actress would have taught her maybe. And she's just faking it because Arya was acting way out of character and that was just stupid. There's no way. And then, of course... All that means nothing. The same thing with uh, yeah. So let's 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 go launch into the actual episode. All right, yeah, I don't want to get long, but basically, yeah, you're sure. right. I, I went off a little bit, but that's just how I'm fired up about how bad this episode is. So uh, yes. I guess let's just jump right into it. Um, so take us to uh, the Bravosi players. All right, before I do that, I want to mm-hmm. say that uh, there was another promo full of old shows, and this time they featured Rome and Edmure. Uh, so I feel like this is maybe something they're going to do going forward. So the promo before Game of Thrones even starts is like, hey, catch up on some old shit. And they show Edmure in Rome. And he was a, he was great in Rome, but I'm like, this seems a little ridiculous. Uh, oh, so maybe, well, that opens the door for Danny McBride to show up. Oh, God. I want, why can't Danny <laughs> McBride be a, a wildling uh, fucking uh, yeah. oh, uh, man. You know, right hand of uh, Tormund? Fit right that would in. be brilliant. Yeah, uh-huh. him, him roasting Jon Snow. Oh, that would be incredible. That would be great. All right, so uh, we roll right into Bravos, right into the play for the third time. But this time, Lady Crane is uh, giving the same performance where Joffrey has died, and she's, you know, playing Cersei, pretending to, you know, or whatever, acting, I guess, pretending. Uh, but she's acting, and uh, looks like she listened to Arya's advice because. Mm-hmm. Not only was she sad, she showed anger and a vengeful uh, demeanor, and ha- she had this little speech about how she was going to punish people, and it really hit the crowd. Loves it, right? Yes. 
Okay, so then she sneaks off bat- backstage and she's going to drink rum. I would never drink rum again if I was this lady. I don't know about you. Or I no. would maybe <laughs> lock it up, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, at the very least. Anyway, so she's got a tamper-proof cabinet. <laughs> baby-proof that shit. I don't know. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so she hears some noise. Uh, surprise, surprise. Ari is bleeding all over her clothes in the closet or, behind, you know, backstage. Uh, and it jumps to Lady Crane's home. She has taken Arya home, uh, bandaged up her ouchie, and uh, you know what cures sepsis? <laughs> Fucking grandma's chicken noodle soup, I guess. So I have to take a break from the recap just to just talk about how ridiculous this is. So once again, going back to what I was talking about in the preamble, Arya did in fact act like a fucking idiot, <laughs> let her guard down, and get stabbed, slashed across the stomach, and then stabbed twice in the stomach with a, uh, I don't know, a knife that must be a couple inches long. I don't know. Uh, enough to pierce some internal organs, I guess. But Yeah, she's probably drinking that soup, and it's leaking out of her like a pierced balloon. Right. Water balloon. Yeah. It just seems, it, it, be, it seems beyond the pale. Once again, this is a show, uh, it's, it's all tits and dragons, and we're all here to like have a suspension of disbelief, but when you have that much of a suspension of disbelief, I'll never think anybody's mortally wounded, you know, again. Yeah, and I was all aboard the, uh, I thought shenanigans were afoot, as I said last week, and the reason I did it is because the what actually ended up happening was so dumb, I didn't even think it was possible to, to transpire in the show. Right, and I think that's a very important point. We'll say that again. What happened last week was so dumb that the entire fandom, like, well, not the entire. I'm not going to take a survey of the entire fandom, but great swaths of people who watched the show were like, "Oh man, something's got to be up." Yeah, that didn't that didn't seem like Ari at all. She didn't have a fucking needle with her. She's dressed like a Westerosi, sticking out like a sore thumb, and then she's not even looking, not even thinking. Hey, anybody can be the wave or somebody from the wave faceless men coming to get me. It seems ridiculous past the point of. Um, Possibility. I don't know. I didn't even think it yeah. was bad. And so listen, we've talked about the idea of how you make this better. Right. This is so, an easy one. <laughs> this is this is so easy. And you know, I've I read people say that they thought that uh Arya might have thought that she had time to get out of Bravo. She didn't know the wave actually saw her not uh, knock the poison out of her hand. I don't buy that because we did see at the la- end of the last episode Arya hiding out in that hidey hole. Right. You know, she, at the end of the episode, why would she hide in a fucking uh hole in the ground if she didn't think she was being hunted? I'm sure I mean she had money, so yes. we knew that because obviously, you know, in retrospect, if she threw like two pouches of coins down at the one guy from Westeros saying, take me home, she had money to stay in a fucking nice hotel if she wasn't worried about the waif or anybody from the Faceless Men coming for revenge. So that doesn't so, add up. So here's the easy here's the easy fix is that she is actually on that bridge and she's prepared for the attack and somehow able to minimize the attack jumps off the bridge, leads the wave back to her hidey hole, boom, boom, out go the lights, and the wave is shanked. And you want to cut out just a a ton of bullshit that I didn't need to hear about Lady Crane, how she used to stab people, how she's a domestic abuser, apparently. Um, It was was meaningless and pointless. It added nothing. The chase scene at the end was dumb. Uh, It was was just such a fucking fucking waste of time. Yes. And we'll get to it when we come back to... The wrap up of this whole thing, but uh, you know, I I don't know what Arya has gained from this experience. Besides, I'm Arya Stark, and I'm never gonna pretend to be no one or anybody else. I guess I don't know. 
so let's push past this. We're going to put a pin in this, and we're going to mm-hmm. keep talking about the episode. So Lady Crane takes her home, bandages her up, gives her some soup, uh, and then, you know, she's not very good at cooking. <laughs> so if my soup doesn't kill you, nothing will. Terrible, again. And uh, her explanation for why she's able to patch Arya up is she's into bad boys. And bad yeah. boys would come home reeking of uh, jizz and booze. <laughs> and I don't think those were the exact words she <laughs> I'm used. I'm pretty sure she said jizz. Um, okay. But she said uh, that they would get into fights because she got into, I guess she had so many relationships with men who visited her houses and she wasn't cool with it. You gotta ask yourself, Wait, maybe it's me. Um, but anyway, <laughs> he's so just she, that, not that into you. He's just not that, that into you. Yeah. Um, so she said they would get in fights, and she would stab them, and then feel bad, and then heal them. That seems just like a dumb thing, and I I feel like this whole conversation is to get us to care for Lady Crane, but nobody, I can't imagine anybody, even the most pedestrian of show watcher, gives a shit about Lady Crane when fucking. Brand's wolf is dying and Hodor is getting torn apart. Who gives a shit about this fucking actress that we know barely anything about from Bravos? Yeah. It's it's just yeah. a ridiculously terribly uh, orchestrated plot. It's just awful. I, d- I did not care for it. So to finish out this scene, uh, Lady Crane gives uh, Arya uh, some uh, milk of the poppy and she falls asleep. That yeah, closes great up the idea. Scene. <laughs> let's let's just keep let's get moving. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <clears throat> yeah. I'm gonna come back to this, but you're right. We need we need to go. Okay. Yeah. So where do so we go then next? we we cut to a camp and we see uh, some bros at a campfire, <laughs> and uh, it's four dudes and it's one of the uh, you see one of the guys the bald guy is uh, it participated in the Swearingen massacre, and uh, how do we this, know that? again? Uh, because of his bald head, I think he looked—he he was there. He's one of the guys. Oh well, I totally missed that. I only had eyes for uh, Lemon Lemon Coat. It's, I guess they—they they named the main guy who talked. I didn't give. I didn't. Well, pay you know what? And I, I didn't go back and look at it, but the hound said hound recognized that guy immediately. And then at the How? end of the scene, when? What did he say? At the end of the scene, he says, "Where was the the other ones?" So I assume that this is one of the that the bald guy was one of the guys. That was part of the massacre. Uh, okay, so you you can go on to describe the scene, but my biggest problem with this whole plot line is I don't know if these guys had anything to do with the massacre, especially like the two fucking young kids who were idiots. I, d- I don't I don't see how that's confirmed that they were definitely there or took place in it. Uh, but go ahead and describe the scene. Okay, so well, it's uh, the bros are broing out around the campfire, and um, I, just more of. It's just I, a locker room talk. I don't know what else to call it. It was just stupid. The one uh, bald guy uh, finger blasted the guy's butt and smells it and says it smells like pussy. It's just it was vile and it wasn't. I didn't find it funny. I don't know. Maybe uh, you found it funny. Yeah, no, I found I found that hilarious. No, no, I didn't find that funny. It was no. fucking stupid. And, and you know what's funny is one the the director of this episode is a guy who's directed like twenty some some odd episodes of Entourage. Uh, that's a joke, right? No. So you're being, didn't we fucking joke about how this was like Entourage and Westeros at one point? Yeah, yeah, with the Brothraki. The Brothraki, yeah, that the the Dothraki Those bros. Those actually kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, but that was actually kind of funny. But yeah, it did ring like a like a Entourage. Um, <laughs> entourage. If you said to me episode. they're gonna have a scene where a guy sticks his finger up another guy's butt against his will, smells it, and says it smells like pussy. I would fucking say I'm never watching the show again. Yeah, in isolation, can you imagine like somebody like, oh, what, what are we gonna watch tonight? 
Oh, Game of Thrones, you'll love it. Uh, you know, it's six seasons in, but you'll you'll catch right up. Uh, yeah. Oh, what's what's happening now? Well, <laughs> let's see. It kind of smells like pussy. I, I I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's just. And what does this accomplish? It's just r- locker room talk. Is this to get us to think the guy's vile and we're okay with him getting I think, killed I think again? That's the point. Yeah, I mean, I that's, think that's awful. The- Who, like that guy is a he's a disgusting creep. He doesn't deserve yep. to get uh, his head bashed in with an axe. Right. Well, so Sandor strolls up and he just straight murders everyone. Yeah. And again, he, he at the end when he gets to the bald guy who gave the other guy the stink finger. He says, "Where is the rest? Who were the, where are the other ones?" So I assume that's a reference to right. But Bolton do we? But wasn't do you, But can you confirm that that guy was there or that Sandor I, had proof? I, I did not return, but that guy was very distinct looking, and so I just accepted at face value that that guy was at the the Swearingen massacre. All right, we'll we'll go back, uh, listeners. Submit your feedback uh, somehow, and we'll read it uh, on air next week. But um, yeah. but yeah, I just I just felt like. Wow, it was cool. It was a nice little uh, action scene, and I'm glad that the Hound is back, but, you know, this seems a little over the top, and I, I, I just didn't see these guys deserving this. Well, I, I mean, I think this show is, I don't think there's any ambiguity that these are part of the rogue brotherhood without banners. I think that's the assumption, but I wanted some, like, you know, I guess, like, you know, even Dexter collects like Wait, evidence. You want a due people. process or what? No, it, it could have just been like wearing like the guy's clothes or something. I don't know. Wearing the priests uh, that got killed uh, clothes or eating their food going. And they could have just been talking about it instead of, hey, you know, this locker room scene, we're going to put a guy's finger in another dude's butthole. How about you talk about, man, those fucking idiot hippies? They didn't see it coming. Yeah. That, yeah. So yeah. here's. No, I see what you're saying. Doug makes it better. Discuss how they. Put them there so that I am okay with them dying. Yeah, they could have discussed the murder and rapes instead of right. sticking fingers in each other's buttholes. Right. That one, and yeah. it couldn't. It didn't have to be the entire conversation. Just one line like that. And you know what? They still could have stuck the finger in the guy's. Yeah, butthole. you you had time to, for all the butthole sticking you wanted to do. <laughs> Just at least make it concrete that these guys yeah. were there. I'm gonna assume they were there. But when I watched it again, I was like, there's, there's nothing there. Like, and when he interrogates the guy, the guy doesn't say anything except for fuck you and cunt. And and then Sandor says, well, you're terrible at dying. And Well, that was, that was pretty funny. Sandor's hilarious. Yeah, he's he fine. Says, he says, those are your best last words. The guy says, cunt. And then he says, you're shit at dying. Yeah, he's, but, well, he says it the British way, I guess. You're shit. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. All right, so then anything else? I don't. No, I didn't have a problem with this scene. I mean, I, 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 it's a yeah. minim, it's a minimal gripe, but I just the through line was I, I don't know if these guys did it. I wasn't convinced. Anyway, okay. next we go to. Uh, we so go what to you Marine. said about OJ Simpson too, you. Well, I mean that glove just didn't fit. All right, okay. so we go to Marine, and it seems like everything's great. The people are eating couscous. They're buying pottery. Uh, you know, red hot red ass priests are preaching the good word of Daenerys in the street. Everything Everything's looks, turning up Tyrion. Everything's turning up Tyrion and Tyrion and uh, I mean the most famous dwarf in the world and Varys are just uh scooting along, checking checking out everything. Um, no guards whatsoever. No guards, and everything looks super happy. So that's how you know that it's shortly going to turn to shit. That was a hell of an ad campaign. By yeah, that red priest. Yeah, it seemed to work, and every and it's. Well, it's the, it's the Red Priest uh, campaign, uh, we assume, uh, coupled with Tyrion's PR stunt where he 
convince uh, other uh, slave communities, slave cities, that uh, they could keep slavery for seven years. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, Savarius and Tyrion are talking about whether this was a good idea to get the uh, zealots involved. We all know from firsthand experience by watching what happened in King's Landing that this is probably a terrible idea. Right. Um, but the reason they're walking is that Vari's going on a trip somewhere? Question mark. Secret mission, yeah. Secret mission, and he says, the only hints we get, we need friends in Westeros, and we, we need, need ships. ships. So I can only think, if he's going to Westeros, which we can only assume by his statement that he's going to Westeros, and we need ships, it's only like, uh, it's only what, the Ironborn? Obviously the first thing that pop in your head. Who else has ships in, in Westeros that we know of? I don't know of anybody who has a large volume of ships. Right. I, I don't. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, obvious. Okay. I'm not going to say ob- nothing's obvious at this point. But if Varys is going to look for ships in Westeros from the Ironborn, and the Ironborn are already on their way in two waves, and the first wave, I imagine, is already <laughs> getting close since they were halfway there last episode. Sure. Uh, what is this? Like, what's going to happen? Because I don't, I don't know, I don't know, and it, yeah, and it was odd the timing. Uh, Varys leaves town right before these, uh, b- before the wise masters, as we see uh, later, arrive. I mean, I guess he he's going to maybe meet, um, going maybe to meet one of the Greyjoys. Maybe his his little birds have picked up on the Greyjoys on the way. He's going to meet one of them. Uh, I mean, that's the only explanation I could think of. Maybe, but we need friends in Westeros. Uh, <sighs> I, get, I I don't know. It just seems really weird, uh, and I really don't care. Yeah, you know, I wrote down the. It's more intrigue. I'm kind of getting tired of the intrigue. Well, I you know? I would like intrigue if it paid off, and right now yeah. intrigue is just not paying off. Like uh, it's it just I I really don't care. Like uh, Danny's gonna get it, shipped. It's no longer intriguing. Two yes, yeah. two two separate factions want to bring her ships. So now we have uh, uh, Varys going out trying to accomplish the same thing. Okay, I'm over uh, Danny getting ships. I'm, I'm over. Like even if this is very intriguing, I don't see what it adds to anything. I don't either. I don't either. But maybe um, we'll be I surprised. Didn't... I don't know. Hopefully, but probably not. I'll... So that was a relatively short scene. Yep. Um, then we we cut to uh, Cersei day drinking. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> inner solar. Kyburn yep. uh, uh, comes in and tells her that the faith militant is in the Red Keep and they're to see her. Tommen apparently let them in, and of course he's hiding in in his uh, in his room and praying, praying quote unquote because his wife won't sleep with him. So we all know what that means. <clears throat> well, now as uh, the High Sparrow told. Marjorie just takes patience, or was it? Yeah, was it? Yeah, it doesn't yeah, require desire. Desire is not required. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, Kevin uh, says that the uh, I'm sorry, Cersei, the uh, Kyburn, and uh, the Mountain go out to meet the Faith Militant. Kevin Lancel, the cousin that she banged, says that the Sparrow wants to meet her. She says not a that no dice. There's some back and forth about it. And uh, eventually she tells the Faith Mill to leave, and that's where you get that line from the previews, that uh, I choose violence line. And uh, Right, and it seemed like uh, there were three takes of that. Like, we saw, like, this was the third time we saw it. Like, we saw yeah. it in the previews for the the whole season, and she said mm-hmm. it with a lot of resolute, like, I choose violence, like, mm-hmm. really resolute. And then last week we saw, like, the next on, and she was, like, trembling about it. She's like... 
let's use violence. Like I didn't uh, notice a difference. Oh at yeah, least. like I'll I'll compile it for the listeners next week. No, I won't. Check uh, out our Tumblr. Check out the Tumblr. But uh, I just I liked how she did it. But before that happens, um, Lancel says, "Are you sure you want to refuse his command?" And they cut to Kyburn, and Kyburn gives this side eye look at Cersei, like, "Please refuse him. Let's let's fucking oh, let's yeah. open up the mountain." I I I, the, I, I the really like that look. The entire scene, Kyburn was like had like a shit eating grin on his yep. face, like he's ready for it to go down. So the uh, faith militant, when she refuses to come with them, she uh, the faith militant, uh, I guess, attempt to attack. One guy runs up and hits um, Robert Strong on the chest plate, and Robert Strong picks him up by the throat and then turns him into a human Pez dispenser. And meanwhile, Cersei's in the background, just ex- like as, as ecstatic as somebody who's not moving their face can be. It was it was pretty funny, right? So. Um, and so then the, uh, faith militant scatters after that, but they and, didn't, they didn't seem, they seemed more in awe rather than terrified. Yeah. I would have liked to see them like, like literally run for the door, like girls, or at least maybe he could have killed one or two of them. I guess it works. Uh, but I really wanted to see him kill everybody there. I well, really, they could have been, they could have inserted a, uh, pie cell post-production fart from one of them. <laughs> yeah. That would have been good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh so, man! So this, this I like the scene, and yeah, I thought this I scene was interesting. Too. A couple things I, I noticed is first, I think the High Sparrow is so far ahead of Cersei; it's unbelievable, right? Uh, and so he's—I think he sent the Faith Militant in order to test, test Robert Strong, out. yeah, hoping to take him out, eliminate him from the uh, potential for the uh, trial by combat. Right, and or at least get fans- the measure of him. Like, see, like yes. if he sent, like I don't know how many dudes they were, seven, eight dudes. Yeah, see if they could intimidate him, or like basically this is like feeling out whether the trial is going to go well or like how well. I mean, and this could be us just reading into it, but that's that's the way I saw it, especially on the second viewing. Um, I think absolutely, I think that's absolutely true. And then the other thing is, and I, somebody pointed this out online. Is that this scene also illustrated uh, the uh, hubris of Cer- of Cersei, her stupidity? Because if she had any brains about her, she doesn't really need it or hasn't needed a bodyguard up until this point. She could have hid the mountain this time and uh, just saved him for trial by combat, or you know, right. kept but him this in his is chambers. All, but this is all uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, especially what happens later in the episode. Um, but yeah, I feel yeah, like I, she I was. Yeah. I feel like she was terrified. Uh, basically, she has no friends, and you know, in the book, she doesn't even have Jamie. In in this ridiculous, uh, you know, fucking fan fiction telling, uh, she sends Jamie away, the one person that's on her side that's not undead or Kyburn. Um, so she doesn't have a lot of fucking friends. I mean, uh, Elena Olena made that clear. So I understand yeah. her keeping, um. Robert Strong close to her, but you got to think that she has some control over Lannister guards, or I, I I find it ridiculous she has no access to Tommen at all, like as as her uh, his mother. Um, it just seems a little crazy, but I I excuse it. But yes, in hindsight, it was a terrible idea to just kill that one guy because that little demonstration basically fucks her later. Yes, absolutely. So why don't you take us to River Run? Okay, so River Run. Uh. Brienne and Pod just roll up after Jamie gives the fucking McPoyles twins shit about rolling up with 8,000 uh, Lannister troops into their siege. 
Looks like Brienne and Pod can roll in. Uh, you know, they're only two people, but still, you'd think that they would have got to. Oh, well, they were close. they were accosted immediately by four or five people. Not really immediately. They were on the goddamn hillside checking it out. All right. <laughs> Whatever. It's cinematic. Not a big deal. But, yeah. uh, you know, so they get into the uh, camp and then there's this long extended scene with Pod and Braun and Braun's like being his older brother and they're talking about whether Jamie and Brienne are fucking. Uh, Bronze trying to says that you know Brienne's teaching him to fight. And he's just like, well, he's like, I'll teach you how to win, and teaches him how to fight dirty for a second. And I hope, I wonder if you felt this too. I really thought Braun was gonna try to teach him how to fight and end up sticking a finger in his butthole. <laughs> no, I didn't. I thought it was gonna no, be a repeated no. theme for the episode. Uh, oh, okay. Older guys no. going, hey, let me show you something. Hold your for- hold your sword arm like this, and then let me put this right up. But anyway, then they cut to the adults talking. It smells in- like that bad pussy. <laughs> oh. no, no, and before you get before you go on, I, I did like, uh, you know, if it was anybody other than Pod and Bron, I would have hated the scene, um, th- this part of this scene. But I did, I did kind of enjoy it, and it was funny. And and of course, Bron had an incredible lines in it. Uh, particularly the one where he described being with Jamie Lannister. He says, they all look at him, all the women look at him like that. I preferred with the, working with a little one on that account. There were was, was some funny lines yeah, in there. It was, it was fine, but like... It was filler. I just, it was entertaining And filler. that's the thing, is like, it was filler. I kept going, wow, this is going on forever. Like, yeah. I want this to, to move along, move along. Um, and it just didn't. I was just, why are we here? So, yeah, and there were a couple, like, moments. I feel like they could have stripped that down here. Uh, a shame of thrones makes it better hey what's going on shit face hey nothing much you asshole hey <laughs> i'd fuck that tall one i bet you would you wouldn't know how to handle it oh that's right pod you got a magic dick ah and just laughed and then we cut into the the tent we didn't well, need a fucking you left out half the minute finger. the stink finger we could have got the stink finger in there as well you know just kept some kind of continuity in the show um yeah but anyway, they cut into the adults. You want, keep, you want motifs in this kind of yes, show. Yes, you want motifs. <laughs> they could have called it Stinkfinger. Like, yeah, that could be the episode yes. name. Stinkfinger. <laughs> Can you imagine? That'd be amazing. Oh, the best. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> the adults are talking inside the tent. Brienne and Jamie are chatting about, you know, uh, hey, what's going on? Uh, what have you been up to? Uh, and she says she found Jane, uh, Sansa and fulfilled her obligations. And she's like, you know what? You could probably take the castle without bloodshed. I've got to implore you. Um, this is once again, robbing Jamie of any like agency of trying to be a good person at all. <laughs> uh, he gets the idea from Brienne to try to take the castle without killing anybody. Um, but she propositions, that well, I thought I thought he did try to do that in parlaying with uh, with the Blackfish in the prior episode, but Blackfish was just not having it at all. Right, right. But you know, in in the books, you see his internal struggle as he's trying to like wrestle with. He made a vow not to spill Tully blood, and he's trying to keep he's trying to keep his vows. So like you hear this internal struggle of how he's like trying to figure out how to get into Riverrun and end the siege without bloodshed and he's the one yeah. doing it here we get brianne uh taking up that mantle robbing it from him but whatever i've gone on too many gotcha. jamie rants um 
But she basically comes up with the idea, let the Blackfish surrender the castle, but allow him to leave with his army so he can go north. That sounds like great, and Jamie agrees to it. If you can do it, that's fine. But that sounds like a terrible idea, because if if uh, he's allowing the Tullys to escape with their army, and they go up north, he might have to fight them again six months later, a year later, two years later, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the problem for me with that agreement as well. It just doesn't um, doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. No, because then once you once you put the Tullys together with whatever's going on in the north, suddenly they're a more formidable um, army. And you know the other thing, I, this the siege. And I don't think we talked about it last week. Is where are all these Lannister men coming from, and how are they being paid? You know, because they we've in the past uh, seasons we've seen. The Lannisters have uh, kind of overextended the amount of, or they don't have any money left. You know, they were borrowing from well, the Iron that, Bank. Of that is that is a loose end that just they threw out there and never explored at all. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know, we did have that. The whole the there was two things: the crown was in debt, and then the Lannisters were helping out the crown. But the Lannisters are in debt and they're broke too. But right. we besides like the bankers, and I guess they sent Mace over last season. Remember when Mace? That was the whole reason, I guess, Mace went to Bravos to deal with yeah. the, the Iron Bank, is to uh, kind of like repair uh, the relationship. But since then, we haven't really talked about the finances, so I, I don't know. But yes, you're right. I guess they're just disposing that part of the story because, yeah, because realistically, what does that get you? Yeah, on the who screen? gives a shit? Yeah. It really doesn't matter. Maybe uh, they, the Iron Bank liked uh, Mace's singing so well, they just decided to forgive the debts. I think so. All right, so... Um, so Jamie says you're willing to try, um, and then before Brienne leaves, she's like, um, "I like I have to give you back the sword. I accomplished the task. You gave me the sword to accomplish the task." And Jamie's like, "You know what? Keep it. No big deal." And then this is another little aside I have. Jamie's the fucking head of the household now, right? He needs to start thinking about like he doesn't have any kids of his own, quote unquote, because you know they have to pretend that. Uh, his kids are really Baratheons or else their whole claim to the throne is in question. So if he wants the Lannister household and Casterly Rock to pass on to the next generation, he has to think about having kids. But he also needs to think about holding on to priceless family heirlooms. You heard Randall Tarly talk about a goddamn Valyrian steel sword being handed down for hundreds of years and how rare they are. And he just is willing to give this one up to Brienne. Seems a little odd. Yeah, I think there's less than 10 of them out there. Well, we don't know. That we that. know of? Yeah, that's that's what we know of. I don't know how much you know. The show really hasn't been really precise about that. It right. doesn't have to be. Um, but I just thought that that was weird. I mean, it's a it's a nice moment, but whatever. I know. So basically, uh, real quick for those of you who forgot what this sword is, uh, Ned Stark. Yep, we remember him. He got his head cut off in season one. He had this sword called Ice, and when they the Lannisters had him beheaded. They took his sword and melted it down and turned it into two smaller swords. Uh, one was called Widow's Whale, and that was Joffrey's, and I presumably they still have that one somewhere. And the other one, uh, Jamie was given to Jamie, and he dubbed it Oathkeeper and gave it to Brienne. Um, so, if you forgot that, not only did they behead the Starks, they also took away <laughs> fucking valuable uh, prize possession. Um, I just reminded you. So, yeah, and the 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 significance of these Valyrian swords 
of Lear and Steel swords is that they're able to kill White Walkers. Right. Which, so if there's only five to ten of these things existing that we know of in Westeros, they're a pretty goddamn big deal because only five to ten people can actually just swing a sword and kill White Walkers, which eventually, as Davos has said, we're, we're hurtling towards the battle between the living and the dead. Right. So that, that leads you to... Uh Assume that Brienne's going to be around at least until the there's a big battle between the White Walkers and yes. her, wherever she's at. So you got to think that she's kind of like protected and there's no chance that Brienne's going to die anytime soon. I think so. You think I that think so. that is correct? Is that what you're saying? I do, yes. Okay, I agree with you. I mean, I put it forward. But before she leaves to go treat with the Blackfish, uh, she informs Jamie that if this can't end peacefully, I'm going to be compelled to fight against you. And yes. Jamie's like kind of amused by that, you know. Uh, I didn't says, think I he was. I, I thought I he, was, he was a little taken aback at first, but I thought he's, you know, he was just like, oh well, you know, she's she's honorable to a fault, and he kind of like is into it. Um, I read it more as, uh, well, uh, yes, I did read it, that that part of it in that he's always surprised at how honorable she is, which makes sense given that her sword is the oath keeper. Right. But I, I mean, I, I really do think there was genuine concern uh, between Jamie and her. Uh, or from Jamie to her, and I do think that that served to humanize Jamie a little bit, and maybe show that he isn't as bad as some of his actions have seemed recently. So they're still walking that tightrope of of. That's not a tightrope. He's a terrible person, and we'll learn later on. What well, I think we have different interpretations of that scene as well. All right, great. Um, so, but I do think that Jamie, I do think that he is trying to do at least some of the right things. Right, and but it's just it's just uh they could have gone harder with that whole thing. Sure. So after this whole I don't want to fight you, you don't want to fight me, she leaves and uh we cut to the castle and she's talking to the blackfish and the blackfish isn't listening. You know, blah blah blah. Yes, I know. I know who your father was and I tell him the same thing. Go fuck yourself. Um and Brienne is so, you know, uh, stubborn-headed, she just keeps driving forward, and eventually he reads the letter. He's somewhat touched, says she's just like her mother, but go fuck yourself. I'm not leaving. So, <laughs> and then we have this scene where Brienne's like, Pod, find the maester. Tell him to write Sansa Stark and tell her. What do you want to tell her? That I failed. Tell her I failed. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like that didn't hit for me at, uh, at all. Like, I don't know. Like, I didn't expect Brienne to be successful um, but, uh, I didn't either. And most, because the, the proposition again, like we just said, the, the arrangement just seemed ridiculous and I just but, didn't see how it was going to end like that. But in know? hindsight, the Blackfish should have taken that fucking deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because the way it turns out, he would have been alive. Spoiler alert. By the way, spoiler alerts for everything. This is that mandatory spoiler alert I give you halfway through the episode. Um, do you so, need to, to say spoiler alert when it's actually a a um, a, a rec- recap show? I'm and guessing that some people that are listening to this didn't bother watching the TV show and they're on their way to work going, hmm, I could watch Game of Thrones or else I could have these idiots tell me what happened. Oh, <laughs> so anyway. Um, it's a real shame that the state has defunded the uh, mental institution program. <laughs> That's the case. So, so it seems like he should have taken this deal, especially in hindsight, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know if it's his hubris or his 
pride. I don't know what what is fueling him. I mean, it just it seems idiotic and stubborn and right because she's absolutely right. There's no way that they can win. All they can do is die starving for two years or die in a glorious battle. But they're still going to lose the castle. I mean, the Tullys are done in River Run. Yeah, I mean, I think that he might. Um, I think he might not bleed Jamie Lannister on top of that. You know that he, he because he is obviously uh, Jamie Lannister is the famous Kingslayer and you know Oathbreaker or whatever. No, but then you offer terms. You say, okay, we'll leave the castle. We need your men to back. It's like a negotiation when you know somebody's taking things for hostage. It, it, you know, you have to just be clever enough and put enough uh, conditions. And you don't like send you don't open up the gates and send everybody out and then you know um, hope for the best. You maybe do it in chunks or you you know allow a, a wave or two of guys to go and maybe they send back a raven like a month later once they get to a safe distance or yeah, beyond. Most, I, I don't know. Like, there's I, all sorts of ways this could work. We don't want to devolve into yeah. all this. Regardless, uh, he should have taken the motherfucking deal. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then we go to King's Landing in the throne room, and uh, Cersei strolls in, tries to take her place next to Tommen, but is refused by uh, Kevin Lannister. And that it was pretty funny because she said, uh, I heard there's to be a royal announcement, but I wasn't informed. And Kevin said, there's to be a royal announcement in the throne room right now. Right. <laughs> Something along those lines. Yep. So she's sent to the gallery with the other ladies of the court. The other I, useless women, I guess. Yeah. That's, where, that's where the women go, off to the side. Yes, I yes, guess. Yes. I don't know. Seemed uh, ridiculous and just another fuck you, Cersei moment. Oh, no, it absolutely was. And Kevin Lannister's tone towards her was, you're done, lady. Get out of here. Um, so then you see the, the the small council up there with Tommen, which the small council now is absolutely hilarious. Just Pycelle? It's Pycelle. It's Mace Tyrell. <laughs> it's Kevin Lannister. I mean, those are his advisors at this point, besides, right. of course, the High Sparrow. So uh, punk-ass Tommen announces that there's a trial upcoming for Cersei and Lor- uh, Loras. On Ty- Mother's Day. Yep. And then announces that trial by combat is abolished. <laughs> and I think yeah. everybody at home is like, fuck. Cleaning also- bowl is not going to happen. He also does the, the the thing that he keeps repeating now: the faith and the the uh, the the crown are the two pillars of the of the society or the world. Right. He's trying to convince himself, and you know, he's just parroting language from um, that he's been given by the High Sparrow. It's it's pretty funny. Right. I just uh, my my question. I have all sorts of questions, but my first yes. is that what is his small council telling him, and why aren't they trying to influence him or somewhat? Buffer the influence of the the High Sparrow. It doesn't seem like they're trying to do that at all. Um, maybe they are behind the scenes, and we're not privy to it. Uh, number two, uh, does Tommen not realize he's fucking over his mom? <laughs> well, no. And this, I don't think Tommen realizes he's fucking over himself. Uh yeah, he definitely doesn't realize that. But like, uh, he seems like he'd at least like have uh, some empathy towards his mother. No, I think he's stupid and doesn't uh it is is can be manipulated easily and thinks that he's doing the best that he can for the uh, I agree with that, but what did did they tell him some story? No, your mom has to stay in trial. Oh, what could happen? What's the worst that can happen? Oh, we'll send her to the wall. No, There's no, no wall did, for women. I don't know, I, no, what's, I, no, what's gonna no, happen the, in the trial. She, what's the high spur was saying? If she's innocent, then the, the high the seven step the But deep down 
Tommen knows that his mom's a piece of shit. He already admitted that to the same High Sparrow. So if he thinks he's not going to, like, he can say on the surface, on, on some level he can be convinced, oh, well, yeah, maybe, you know, if she's a good person, she'll get through this trial. But he knows deep in his heart that she's not a good person. Like, and But that, he doesn't that know already- that, that he, uh, the, 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 she's going to be tried for banging Jamie. So I don't know that Tommen knows that no. that happened. Not uh, not necessarily. I think he's being she's being tried for banging Lancel because Lancel. No, is the one she admitted to that. Oh, I I don't remember. And yeah, it, she she confessed to that crime. Regardless, I don't it, it care. thought she was going to get out of it. it okay. <laughs> regardless, I don't care. But uh, it just seemed it just seemed crazy to me that Tom and so like, fuck you, mom. Uh, you know, I don't. I, I don't think he is. I don't think. I just don't. The people who have his, uh, the high sparrow is. But, but wouldn't even even Kevin Lannister, who's on the small council, say, "Hey, if you do this, your mom is probably going to get executed, sent to no, jail I forever." I don't think he would because he's a punk too. What Kevin he, Lannister he, doesn't give a shit about his family at all. He, I don't think he can. No, he doesn't care about Cersei anymore. Well, he, he definitely cares about Lancel because that's how. Cersei got him to buy in with this whole let's take the fucking Sept of Baelor with the Tyrell army, right? Well, they had to argue with Lancel for the Ty- to open up the gates for the Tyrells. No, no they, I, had to, they had to argue with Kevin Lannister to make that happen. Yes, Kevin Lannister, yes. But, but that, him being implicit, and not even implicit, being in cahoots with this whole scheme to take out the High Sparrow means he doesn't like the High Sparrow and shouldn't be playing by his rules, or at least showing some, I don't know. It just seemed very confusing, and I really don't like, it's not intriguing to me. I, I just hate what's happening in King's Landing, and I want it to be over. I, I think it is intriguing, okay. because it, it, we end the scene with Kyburn and uh, Jamie discussing, or Cersei discussing whether the rumor was true, whether you learned it from his little birds, and I think that is setting up uh, the fact that there is a lot of wildfire hidden right. underneath the septa. That's the obvious answer. I mean, yeah. um, we we learned that, I mean, we got it from Jamie before, but they had that flashback from Bran. Uh, yes. That, that the, the Mad King was looking to burn everyone in King's Landing. He had wildfire hidden under all the buildings under, you know, basically underground everywhere in King's Landing. And he was going to, his his line is let let them be king over uh, ashes, and he was going to burn the entire city to the ground. So we're to assume that Kyburn has found this wildfire, and he's going to what burn the sept to the ground and everybody there. Yes, I think it's underneath the sept specifically because I, I believe that one of the things that uh, has been discussed and listen. A million things have been discussed. I don't remember exactly, but I think it's been discussed that specifically that there was supposed to be a large deposit of wildfire underneath the sept. So I think, and this is where I think this is heading. And listen, this is um, a lot of speculation, and I'm stacking inferences upon inferences. But I think that where this is leading is that Cersei is going to go bananas. She's going to try to start this wildfire apocalypse to kill all the uh, the faith militant, and it's going to end up killing Tommen and or. Uh, Jamie is going to end up killing Cersei to stop her. Yeah, I guess. Um, to me, that's what I'm worried about. Like, I'm excited to see the wildfire burn everybody. I'm not mm-hmm. excited to see the threat of it and it not happen, which I fear will be the case. That that could be possible. And that sounds like the worst possible outcome. I mm-hmm. want to see. I want to see craziness. I want to see this 
I want Danny to get to King's Landing and it already be a fucking shit show and in ruins before she I think even it gets is there. For it to be. I, I think know, it is but for- like, if she, if the wildfire doesn't happen, then we're like, we're trying to keep this thing together with, uh, you know, toothpaste and bubble gum or or uh, whatever the expression is. I want the whole thing to fall apart, and I'm really worried about. Cersei threatening to do it and somebody having to defeat the mountain to make it stop and stopping it. Uh, I don't know, but hopefully Tommen will die because of this whole thing at the very least. He's, you know, prophesized to die. We can only hope. Yeah, and the, the, that's the other thing about this scene is that, um, you know, we, I alluded to it a little bit earlier. This dumb shit Tommen is completely orchestrating his own downfall in that it, his mother can no longer. So basically the charges are that Jamie bangs Cersei and that's where her kids are, came from. And so by eliminating the uh, trial by combat, it eliminated the only route for him to stay king because if, if she's tried before the Sept, it's presumably, and is found guilty to have borne kids by Jamie, well, Tommen is now a bastard and he doesn't have any rightful claim to, claim to the throne. So I got to take your word for that because in the books, uh, they're not trying her for that. In the books, they're trying her for having sex with Lancel, the guy who's now on their team and told them all about it. As well as other people, like she's Oswell Kettleblack, who's not in the show. Um, no, it, I, I watched that episode not too long ago. She absolutely convinced, she she confessed to the Lancel, and then they uh, thought she was going to walk away that day. And then that's when the High Sparrow brought up, well, there's also the rumors about your brother. And that's 100% what the trial's about. All right, so whatever. Uh, to me, it doesn't it, that seems really dumb. Um, and that's an invention of the show. So, uh, if they that just sounds terrible and you're right like somebody in the small council should tell him like it feels like no one's advising him it feels like the only person that's advising Tommen is the high sparrow and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah that's fair okay so then we go to marine and we get awful failed comic scene take 2 in which Tyrion's hanging out with gray worm and missandei and trying to be trying to get them to act human and it is awful and goes on way too long uh, the one, I guess, shining moment, not even shining moment, there's one point where Tyrion tells a joke uh, about the Starks being miserly, which I guess is the punchline, and then you have a little bit of flirting between Grey Worm and Missandei, and then the party's broken up by uh, an alarm, and then they go out to see a bunch of CGI ships stroll into town. Um, I didn't have much to say about this scene because it was very quick and... Uh, well, not it wasn't quick. It wasn't it quick. Was it was painful. Yeah. It was painful and it was awful. Yeah. I don't. No, normally, Tyrion's like his uh, little speeches used to be fun. It seemed like, but we seem like we've had way too many of them recently that have just been filler. Well, it's and, just, that's that's the yeah. thing is it's just filler. He's got nobody to play off. Like Varys isn't even there. Right, and I know some people think that the relationship between Missandei and Grey Worm is cute or amusing, or they were they were thought that uh, Missandei's joke was so terrible it was funny and. You know, Grey Worm is, you, I mean, military, you don't think I know joke. I feel like these are the same people who like Mad TV. I don't yeah, think Yeah, I, I, I don't buy it. I don't care about it, really. It's I, But it wasn't funny. Like, the thing is, is like, no. you can be, this show has genuinely been funny. And yeah. this is something that, I, obviously, they're not going to do reshoots, or maybe they would. But they could at least cut down the scene based on how people reacted to the first time they played this exact goddamn scene earlier in the season where it's just Tyrion hanging out with these people and it's this awkward humor like it's the office but no one's staring at the you know camera letting letting us know it's yeah. ridiculous and it's not that funny so yeah. I, I was just I don't know 
I, I wanted to get past this scene. I found it hard to watch it a second no, time. And I did, the other thing about the scene I didn't really buy is this, the the why the, the wise masters or this all the slavers show up with these ships. How the fuck does not oh, nobody know that an entire navy is coming to Marine? Well, this comes up to a bigger problem, which I'll get into when they return to Marine. And yes, we go back for thirds and, and Marine in this episode. But I don't see how the, any of this is Tyrion's fault. <laughs> yeah, because. Because basically the, the the slavers in the other cities hated them anyway. He tried to deal with them. They didn't play along with the deal, and now they're attacking. I got to right. think they were going to attack anyway. And how do they not have any defense set up? I mean, right. it just I, I guess somebody burned their entire navy All not the too ships, long ago. So they don't even have like fishermen warning them about it. Which uh, is so, just terrible. And, and, and like I said, the CGI ships roll in. It looked like all the same ship just recreated a thousand times. It copy, just, paste, yeah, copy, copy, paste. copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. Make it smaller, scale down by 10%. Yep. Uh, it seemed just awful. So, and the only thing it seemed like this scene was designed to do was... Have Danny make another triumphant return. Oh, (laughs) good. Yeah. All right. So then we go back to River Run, and Jamie uh, enters Edmure's tent where he's hanging out and chained up. Uh, And basically, he's just trying to get him to give up the castle, and he uses the carrot before he uses the stick. Uh, So we have this overly long and boring conversation where basically Edmure doesn't understand his position as being a prisoner. And he's trying yeah. to like show backbone and like ask Jamie how he can live with himself. Meanwhile, he has nothing. He has nothing at hand. He like he thinks he can intimidate the Kingslayer. He's not his uncle. Um, he's given him shit, but he doesn't have the resolution to stand up to threats. So it's just this real long, drawn out thing. Um, but then eventually Jamie gets tired of this and he's like, listen, I'll send for your son and I'll, you know, throw him over the wall in a catapult. Now, this is taken directly from the uh, books as well. But like I said, it's made clear that Jamie is bluffing because of internal monologue in the books. Uh, now, you said you had a different take on this scene. Um, yeah, I thought that he was initially trying to be nice about it and reason with. Oh, I, I 100% agree. And then when it wasn't working, he switched over to this bad cop thing. But. I don't know that he, uh, you know, intimidated Edmure into to the surrender, but I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think that Jamie wouldn't have actually used the baby as a, a cannonball. I don't know uh, because everything else seemed to ring true based on what he said before about loving Cersei and how he doesn't care about him or his kid or yeah. anything else and want to get back to Ciri. Cersei. That all ring true. So to throw in this thing about killing his uh, his son. Uh, I I can't read that as bluffing uh, once again because I don't have an internal monologue or any evidence saying that he would be bluffing. Do we know if he if Edmure actually has a son? Yeah, that, I mean that's the case in the books. He he did get the the Frey girl pregnant on his wedding during while his uh, you know family oh, members Jesus. and yeah. his king were getting slaughtered. He was banging away, uh, and he did have a kid with uh, his wife at the time. And he hadn't seen the kid at all because, of course, it's a fray and whatever. Um, that Waldo fray was is, probably already trying to marry the kid. Right. I mean, it, it doesn't really make any sense, but I guess it's double like insurance because it's confirmed that the Freys got River Run for their service to the Crown and Lannisters by betraying Rob Stark. Right. But then they also have a son and heir legitimately, quote-unquote, with 
of of Riverrun because Edmure is the lord of Riverrun and now he has a son who's going to be the heir. So it's kind of like the phrase of lock this up pretty tight, I would think, right? Sure. That yeah, that sounds right. Like why won't they just kill why do they even why not why not just kill Edmure anyway? You got you got the heir to Riverrun uh in in his son. Uh his legitimate son through the wedding, whatever. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. After uh, Jamie makes a threat about uh, shooting his son over the thing with a catapult, uh, Edmure crumbles because we see him. You know, like trebuchet, a trebuchet baby. Trebuchet. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the idea of like a shotgun wedding. It's a trebuchet baby. It's, yeah, a, it's just an expression uh, back then. But anyway, um, so, you know, he crumbles like a, a sack of, you know, I don't know. What crumbles? A sack of... Feta cheese? Yeah. Dry feta cheese. And he strolls up to the castle uh, and says, Hey, let me in. This is Edmure Tully, your lord. Uh, and Blackfish is like, Don't let him in. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the captain guard is like, But he's my lord. My lord. Uh, which I thought was a ridiculous uh, and somewhat humor li- humorous line. Mm-hmm. Um because he doesn't know who to basically obey the blackfish who's in charge of the siege or, you know, the guy who's the, you know, rifle Lord of river run. Um, so you can see there's some how, agonizing. And how, how is Edmure the rifle Lord of river run? Because his, his father Hostertully died of natural causes. And at the funeral is where the blackfish was. This were we were introduced to the blackfish being a douche and, uh, lighting the, uh, canoe pyre with the flaming arrow. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't read him as a douche in that scene. But oh, okay. I definitely did. He's definitely a douche. He's definitely like, he he throws like the the bow and arrow back in or the bow back in Edmure's like uh gut and calls him like a, a fucking piece of shit. I don't know what it is, but if you go back and watch it, it reads like the guy's just a crotchety old man. And in the, okay. the books, he's so much more lovable. Uh. But anyway, regardless, the the captain of the guard, I can only assume, the guy who's like, you know, in charge of the forces besides mm-hmm. the blackfish, uh, says, open the gates, let the, the Lord of the River run in. He comes in, and this look that is on the face of the blackfish when Edmure comes in, he has this like, ooh, <laughs> like this look that like, his eyes are like open and like he's just like ooh like he's internally like hey sorry about that whole just slit your throat uh, comment I said to the McPoyles, um, <laughs> and then you know he doesn't say arrest Blackfish right there which is I guess what he should have done. He goes up to wherever the captain of the guard is on the battlement says surrender lay down your arms predictably you know like the Blackfish said he would. And uh, he also says, find the blackfish and arrest him and hand him over to the phrase. So that fucking sucks. Um, so we cut to the blackfish and he's helping uh, Podrick and Brienne escape in like an underground uh, dock with a small boat. Um, and do you have any idea why that is? Why that is? Yes. No, I don't. I can't think of why his concern is to help out these people. <laughs> Oh, I'm joking that he knows the the castle better than anyone else. So oh, he knows Jesus. What secret dock is. Well, I mean that makes a little more sense. It's not like twenty good men in the north, but uh, yes. 
Yeah, he knows that there's a secret dock. That's fine. I understand that. He got but, them out through guile. Through guile, exactly. This is what I wanted him to. How he got in. It would have been mm-hmm. nice to to find this out. But um, uh, so he's he's like he he gets him into the boat, and then he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna fight. I want to go down fighting. And Brienne's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, you have kin in the north. Why die uh, meaninglessly here? You should come with us and at least fight for your family. And he's like, no thanks. I want to die. And it's just another like senseless, meaningless self-sacrifice that had absolutely no weight to it. Um, it was stupid. It was it was stupid. And and here's another thing: is he goes down in a fight fighting Lannisters? No. Fighting phrase? No. He's going to go down in a fight fighting his own men. Because before the phrase and the Lannisters even get in, Ed Muir says, find the blackfish and arrest him. That means that fucking the people that he was serving with, his own like army, are coming after him. And that's who he fights. I don't know that we know that. I, I don't oh, know that. Oh, we- so did we not hear that Ed Muir Tully's second command after lay down your arms was. Find the blackfish, arrest him, and give him to the phrase. Yeah, but everybody had already laid down their arms at that point. And no, then the it person was the same. It was in the same kind of. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Who that. cares? I don't want to nitpick it because it's dumb. No matter how you yeah. slice it, it's awful. So this is the ultimate question with all this river run stuff. What was the fucking point? What was the point of all this? All this river run stuff. You know what? I have no idea. Because because Brienne doesn't accomplish anything. No. Right? The Blackfish isn't bringing his army. The army is probably disbanded. I mean, I'm sure they're free to go. They're not going to lose their lives because they surrendered. But they're not going to... Well, gonna... I, I'm, it's, I'm sure it's one of those deals where they pledge fealty. Right. And now, now the Tollies of River Run are, are at least uh, in cahoots with the Lannisters, I think. Well, uh, they were putting up banisters for the fray. So, they, so the Tollies, the they're a house... But they don't have a home. Well, yeah, they're homeless house. They're a homeless, yeah, homeless house, which is pretty much good for nothing. And the entire army is going to disband, and maybe they'll go home and tend their crops at the very, you know, best case scenario. They're going to be a hedge house. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, what gets accomplished? You're right. What happens here? Well, they restore order to River Run, and we got Jamie away from King's Landing for a little bit. That's the only thing so that the really only- happens, right? The only thing that if if the puzzle I see coming together, the only piece that this is is to get Jamie out of King's Landing while Cersei goes bananas. I guess, but your whole uh, speculation is that he'll try to stop her, just like he tried that he successfully stopped. Yeah, her. he I comes can't. in at the last minute. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, it's all, I'm, I'm just you know throwing out yeah, theories. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the but thing: this- is your theories. I don't want to hear them because they're probably much more intriguing than what's actually going to happen because <laughs> yeah. this is, this has been awful. We follow the theme that I, I swear to God, I listen to, <laughs> I listen to the podcast and people had all sorts of elaborate things of like, Oh, what's going to happen with the blackfish this is going to happen. He's going to get, he's going to do this, going to do that. Now he's just going to fucking die. Yeah. I mean, in like a, a, a sell me, uh, sell me, uh, what's his name? Um, barrister, sell me. Yeah, that was meaningless. Pointless. At least he was. At least he was in a, a a fair fight, and he had to fight for his life. This is the yeah. guy just saying, "Well, I want to kill myself, but uh, I don't have the guts to do it myself, so I'm gonna let somebody." It's basically death by cop. 
He he takes a <laughs> pussy way out by death by cop. Um, yeah. And it's meaningless. And what he his you know when Brianne says you should come with us and fight for your uh, niece, he's like, what can I do for her? You'd be much better help than me. What it's not an either or. You both can help her. Uh, it seems like this whole like um, the theme yeah, in the show is like people of age don't have much utility. I, guess. I think also that uh, the the Tully like motto starts with the word family. I think it's like family yeah. honor something. Family yeah, honor. family honor duty. Yeah, so he had an opportunity to help Judy. his family, and instead he just decided to be an asshole. Right. So he, yeah, he once again you're reading too deep. You're you're treating this like it's uh, it's not just tits and dragons, which like they have more than an eighth grade comprehension of storytelling. Right. Exactly. Yeah. This is this was just all stupid. Once, it, once again, isn't this just like so? Uh, on top of the Aria thing, this this is awful. The Marine, which we're going to get to next, is fucking awful. Yeah. Uh, and then the way we end it uh, with Arya again, it's just this This episode was so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then to end the scene, we see uh, Jamie is standing up upon the rampart and somebody, some uh, soldier comes and tells him that the Blackfish is dead. At the same time, he sees, or slightly after that, he sees uh, Pod and Brienne in a boat rowing down the stream and... Uh, you know, Jamie should have probably raised an alarm, but because he cares for Brienne, he gives her a wave. You know, I guess he recognizes her despite the fact that it's dark and far away. And, um, you know, I guess that's it. I mean, I guess he has honor and still cares for her to some extent, but um, it's kind of the end of the scene. Peter's out a little bit. Yeah, Peter's out basically like, are we still friends? And she's like, yeah, we're still friends. Yeah. And that's it. But you're right. This seemed like a really big waste of time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, again, the only reason that makes sense to me is to give Cersei an opportunity to go even more crazy, right? So because the one person that Cersei could really turn to while she's being even more marginalized by Tommen is Jamie, when he's off screwing around in the river. Right. Lands. All she has is the gruesome twosome, and now yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> that's a great name for Kai Burn and Robert Strong. <laughs> but it seems like Robert Strong like is going to be taken out of the equation, like. If she's not willing to send Robert Strong up against a hundred dudes, and there's going to be no trial by con- combat, what good is he? I don't, I don't understand. She doesn't really have a lot of friends, and it's not like she can talk to that guy. So, yeah, I, I can't imagine him sitting around playing a spade. So, Robert Strong, do you think he's cute? Do you think this guy? <laughs> what do you think about this dress? Does this make me look fat? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, all right, does that thing even eat? <laughs> don't know all right so where do we go we go to the assault marine and it looks like uh it actually looked like you know those mobile uh mobile video games like yeah yeah <laughs> looks yeah, like a promotion for one of those yeah and who's that uh the dumb uh looking um sports illustrated model that does the commercials for oh yeah i know you're referring to yeah uh forgive me for not knowing her name but it, it seems like yeah like uh uh Age of something, Age dragon of battle or, blitz, or uh, I don't know. It just looked, yeah. it looked terrible. It looked cheap, it, and I mean, again, mobile games seemed like they had better advertise or better CGI than that scene. And then they they, it looked terrible. You're right. It looked like it would have looked better with miniatures, uh, uh, like <laughs> stop it, motion animation. Ray, claymation. Ray Harryhausen would have done a better job. Yeah, uh, but they show the pyramid, and the pyramid looks like like stupid big. 
and tall. Uh, I don't know. It just looked awful, and they're just hanging out on a balcony. Uh, you, this is your summary, so I'll let you do this. Yeah, so uh, Tyrion is arguing with Grey Worm, admits that he's wrong about uh, about attempting to negotiate with the wise masters. Yeah, but what does that hurt? I still go back to how how yeah. how is this his fault? Yeah, yeah. So he's trying to uh, – Tyrion's attempting to give Grey Worm military advice. Grey Worm says, no, you don't know anything about fighting. Uh, so Tyrion ostensibly secedes uh, control to Grey Worm, and Grey Worm's suggestion is to just turtle in the pyramid for now and and then fight them once they get to the pyramid. And so we see that shot from the promo where uh, Tyrion is looking up and the, um, the chandelier brazier type thing starts shaking. And so then we see um, – uh, I, I guess that's Danny and Dragon, and uh, Danny just just struts in, and I think that's yeah. supposed to be another scene where we're like, we're like, oh yeah, and I, I mean, my reaction was just, oh whatever. Exactly, I'm just like, all right, so nothing's gonna happen. Like if she would have come in and started talking, going, what's the situation? Oh, yeah. we got this, this. All right, I'm gonna get on my fucking dragon and set all those ships on fire. You go around and flank them on the left. That would have been great. Uh, Instead, her face was just like mom's home and the house is really dirty. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. kids are like, uh-oh. Yeah, I'd, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. I guess. Yeah. I, it just, this fell really flat. Yeah. Hey, and, imagine that. Another one of these Danny rally scenes and it's completely flat. And then, like, I know we're not at the end of the season, but let's look at back about, uh, let's look back on Danny's journey this season. Oh, God. It could have been summed up in, I don't know. 15, 20 minutes scattered over two episodes. Uh, yeah. Basically, she gets, she goes off in the woods, or not even the woods, the desert or whatever, reclaims her dragon and uh, reclaims the uh, Dothraki people, and now she's on her way back. Yeah. That's it. That was it. Uh, and then, but we've had like probably four or five, probably, I'm sorry, I'm maybe uh, being too facetious. There's been at least three or four episodes or scenes, and at least two that ended episodes with, Oh shit, Danny's powerful again. Right. I mean, yeah. And so I guess this is leading to Drogon, and you saw him flying away in the background. I guess it's leading to him smashing all the ships. Um and I guess. And what happened to the other dragons? That never came back. Remember? No. No, Tyrion I don't fucking know. freed those not freed them, but you know, took them off the chain. Unshackled them. Yeah. Yeah. And but where are they now? I don't know. They never revisited that. It's it's just awful storytelling where you just leave all these loose ends. Maybe it'll come back, but now that Danny's here, what does it matter what's going on with the da- dragons? I mean, she's in control. I was hoping that maybe Tyrion would tame one, or they would get loose and start causing trouble. Uh, but right now, it just seemed very Xena, this whole thing, where she just struts yeah. in. And it seemed very low uh, production value. Like, uh, she just comes in, we see a very small dragon fl- flying away. Where the fuck is he going? I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe he's going to attack the wise master's navies because, <laughs> because the other this, direction, this is what would, this is what would actually make sense is that, um, you know, I, I guess she's probably going to take over the rest of these slaver cities. Well, if they sent their full forces against Danny right now, it would be easy for Drogon to go around and burn up their ships and basically cripple their armies. Right, but what is her what is her greater but, what is her greater plan here? Is it to and, and that's exactly where I wrote down. Then what? Then what? Yeah, is yeah. her plan to say, "Oh well, you guys fucking acted up. I took you, and you didn't behave. So now everybody's gonna die." So she's just a force of, um, you know, 
extermination? Like, yeah. is she an apocalypse waiting to happen? Or is she going to set shit to rights? If she's going to set shit to rights, it's going to be more ruling and crap, and that's definitely not going to happen. We're not going to yeah, get then, bogged you, you down know, with ruling. And if she's going to go take Westeros or participate in the dead versus the living bowl, I mean, we've got 15 episodes to get there. Right. You know, and, and part of that has to be the actual fight, ver- the living versus the dead. You got to think that's at least two episodes. At least. And then there's got to be at least one, maybe two wrap-up episodes. I mean, I don't... I don't know. It's just more, more wheel spinning, and which, and that, and that's the biggest frustration part about this is like when we get these overly long scenes of Jamie interrogating Edmure for an inconse- inconsequential end. We get all this time spent with Arya, which her character doesn't really develop, and it's a waste. And they're just spinning their wheels and basically stretching time out, and we're not getting any closer to what feels like a culmination of. What's, there, there's no, it doesn't feel like there's any, like we're not, it doesn't feel like this is building towards a point. I don't know. Right, right. And I don't know, in some of this stuff, like the river run scenes, I don't know how it builds to a point. All right, what, you're right. Like whatever. when you said, what is this, I, I didn't even ask myself that because I was yeah. kind of like, like I said, last last week there was a lot of great lines, the little stare, stand down with Jamie and... um the Blackfish, that's all ripped from the books. Everything that happened this episode, for the most part, was show invention, and it was fucking hot garbage where yes. everyone's concerned. So, uh, all right, so let's take take us back to the hound so we can... Okay, so we're, we go back to the middle of the woods, uh, and the hound rolls up on uh, the Brotherhood, uh, about to hang three dudes, one of them being Lemon, Lem, Lemon Coat, and I thought the, it was the other two guys that were with him when they intimidated the, um, uh, what was his name? Al Swearingen? Yeah, when they, the Swearingen massacre. Right. I thought, I thought the two other dudes were the ones that rolled up on, uh, them, but I don't know. It could have been the bald guy. I don't fucking know. Um, regardless, three dudes are about to be hanged by the Brotherhood, and great, uh, Boros is still alive. Or, uh, yeah, so we're not going to get Lady Stoneheart. Once again, another place where they could have gone interesting, and they chose to take, uh, dumb, uh, pointless way out. Turns out that the three guys and maybe those other four that were slaughtered by the hound massacred uh, the sept and the hippie Jonestown on their own, kind of as rogue agents. And now the Brotherhood, which are still good guys, are punishing them for it. Right? Yes. Yeah. That mm-hmm. seems dumb. Well, it, it, the the it puts back into focus just how dumb the Swearingen hippie clan was. Uh, I mean, I do think that the Brotherhood without banners could be interesting moving forward, especially if they have the Hound in their employ. But it it keeps like where what's the journey of the Hound? It's still this like I think magnifies the stupidity of all the Swearingen scenes. Right. If, I mean, what was the point of those? Right. So this scene goes further to alienate the Clegane Bowl. Like if we didn't get the now that trial by combat has been eliminated by Tommen in the High Sparrow, and now that Clegane's uh has no dealings with anybody in the seven, so he's not gonna be the seventh champion, uh, you know, I don't see Clegane Bowl happening at least unless something drastic changes over the next couple of Weeks no, definitely not, not this season for sure. You know what? I'm fine with that being off the table. If now 
uh, if now um, the Hound is just an axe murderer um, with the Brotherhood without banners. I'm fine like, with that. I feel like the only way, and let's finish out the scene yeah, uh, go first ahead. before we get into speculation. So, um, so he just rolls in there and says, "How? What are you doing?" Uh, or I'm looking for these fucking assholes for murdering the Sept or murdering mm-hmm. everybody in there saying, well, we're hanging these assholes for doing that. Um, and the Hound basically says, they're mine, I get to kill them. And, he, and Beric says, uh, you get one. And Hound says, I get two. A guy is pointing an arrow at him and calls him a girl. It's all very humorous. Uh, but... <laughs> Essentially, Clegane gets to kill two of these guys, but not by his own means. He just gets to be the one that pushes in their stools. And not that kind of stools. <laughs> yes. Not like earlier. Not like earlier with the finger in the butthole thing. Yeah. Um, so, so the brother, so he's like, okay, so he gets to kick the stools out of two of them. I guess that's somehow, that's fair. Um, and then they, yeah, they're talking about it. Uh, the hound is is having a conversation with Beric and basically Beric is trying to get him to sign up with him. Um, and it looks like he's mulling it all over. I just don't know where this could go. Well, yeah, there's more of that purpose discussion and the hound yeah, can still do more good. Than- yeah. Like we, we heard this already. Yes. Yeah. They kept the gods kept me alive for a reason. All right. The, the hound's got something important to do. What is it? Because I don't see it. I don't see where it's going. I don't see where it's leading. And I really just honestly don't care. I mean, I'm glad that the Hound is back, but... I care. Oh, well, I think where, I, well how is I, he going to get from point A to somebody we care about? I I ultimately want him to meet back up with Sansa and be Sansa's like champion, but that's just me. I feel like that's the, the one person in the story that he's met before that he could be of use to, uh, but I don't see how he's going to get there. I'm not. I, I don't know. I guess I'm. I'm excited about the idea of the Brotherhood without banners with with the hounds. I mean, they're they're. It's an interesting. But group doing of people, what to what? I, I don't know. To the greater plot. That's my problem. Okay. How are they going to contribute to the greater plot? Um, where they are right now. I mean, I guess I haven't. I didn't get that hung up on it because uh, just anything with Sandor in it is interesting to me. Right. I guess. But I would have said that about Tyrion before we had to deal with two goddamn. Humorless yeah. scenes with Missandei and Grey Worm. I would have thought you just put Tyrion on the on the screen and it's gold, but it's obviously not the case. No, but it is with Sandor. Like in this scene, he they all bloody die except for this one over there, pointing to Barak Tondarian <laughs> and tougher girls and you have tried to kill me. And and then he he goes and he's already taking the shoes off uh, Lemon Coat before the guy even dies. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I, and then of course the the uh, yeah we see him hang Dong. Um, yeah, and that's. That was, and I, I didn't know what the point of that, that was. That was pointless, and it was a prosthetic. It, he took his dick out like it was. He was Mark Wahlberg and fucking uh, Boogie Nights. Like <laughs> you don't have that much trouble taking out your dick with your real dick. He's like, well, I gotta reach in here and like pull it out. I didn't notice that. Oh, he, he sh- I don't know. I study dicks for a living, like not <laughs> a living. Let's say for part time, and like it's just it's this, more of a hobby. It's more of a hobby, part time or an obsession. But it just seemed like. It, it seemed really fake and it seemed really pointless. I was just like, they can't just show his back while he pisses. Like it's he doesn't care. I guess I guess yeah. the reason he's pissing is because he doesn't show respect. He does his own thing. I guess, but I don't I don't understand. And then of course uh, the 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 famous I prefer chicken, um, which of course yeah. Every, I yeah, guess that's, that's funny in the fandom because when he said I'm gonna eat every fucking chicken in this fucking yeah. uh, tavern or whatever he said. 
this is well, all... I've seen people referring to him as uh, Colonel Sandor before. Which now that's funny. funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's dumb. It's like it's like in that horrible X Men movie where they got the Juggernaut to say, "I'm the Juggernaut, bitch," uh, as fan service. Um, it you shouldn't because it's dumb. And um, uh, all right, so like to wrap this up, I don't I, know where it's going. I don't know I do, where it's going. I do I'm like glad that, the I do like back. that this is a collaboration between two things I find interesting, and I hope it goes somewhere. I What's don't the know. Other thing? What's the other thing you find that Brotherhood interesting? I do. Yes, Beric Dondarrion, the concept of him, and then the dude that's with him that is bald but has a man bun. Yeah, that man bun looks pretty rough. It looks like he's losing oh, a lot up top. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you should take like that a, forward. A man mullet bun? Bullet? Uh, no, there wouldn't be a mullet because that would assume there'd be party on top and the party abandoned it long ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> male pattern bun? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You guys uh, work on a work on a name for that and send it in. Yeah, so... Um, no, I, 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 it was fun. The scene was fun because the, was, the hound was in it. And um, I'm interested to see where it goes. I don't know if it's going anywhere, but I'm optimistic just because the combination of, and you know, it is. I think it is interesting too that uh, these, this two, the, the uh, Beric Dondarrion and the Hound could be allies going forward because of their prior interactions. And yeah, he should fucking hate them, him because the Beric not only made him fight to the death. Mm-hmm. But he did it with a flaming sword, which the hound hates fire because uh, I seem to recall. I don't know what happened to him. Oh, yeah. He got his fucking face burnt off by the mountain. His brother, the mountain. So he's terrified of fire. And plus, they robbed him. He had some money and they took it from him. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think the hound is just looking for it like to be a part of it. He doesn't have anything to do on his own. He knows that he is a he's. He's basically a uh, a gun without somebody to point it at something. He he yeah. doesn't he's he can't think for himself. He doesn't know what to do with himself. So he needs to be a soldier for some cause. And I right. guess this is as good as any. I just wish it would it had something to do with one of the main characters that we care about or Lady Stoneheart. Or if it was Lady Stoneheart, I would have oh it was too good to be true. I thought yeah. I, I convinced myself that Lady Stoneheart was coming back, but uh, I think I think it's done. It's definitely done Put at this point. Yeah, but I still I still hold out hope on Stannis. Okay, in <laughs> <laughs> the Blackfish, we did see him die on screen. Yeah, but, but anyway. So the next scene, we go to Lady Crane's apartment. Oh God. Oh jeez, and Lady Crane is getting something off the top of a cabinet. More drugs. Yeah, I guess so. That's More she milk keeps of the, the poppy. Uh, milk of the poppy. Yeah, so the waif shows up. And uh, Arya is woken to a loud noise and sees um, sees the waif out there, and then also Lady Crane is on the floor and apparently dead. Yeah, how did she die? I, I don't know. I couldn't really tell. I couldn't really tell if she fell off the stool and broke her neck, or if she had her throat slit because there was a lot of blood on the ground. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, and I don't know that that's important. It doesn't really matter, but I, I it was enough that it took me out of it, and I was like, well, wait, yeah. what happened here? So uh, Arya is apparently, she's waking up from... A milk of the poppy coma, which I guess is the you know it's poppy, so it's, it's a heroin type thing. Yep. Yeah, so I think I guess she had to have taken some powder of the cocaine or some crack of the rock to get back up because she uh, she runs out of there, begins the medieval parkour slash yeah. Terminator Two chase through. Yeah, because uh, you know what's easy. Bravos. Yeah, and that's I wrote that down, and I talked to somebody about it at work today. And everybody made that uh, connection. She looked like the T-1000 
running yeah. after John Connor with this like you know deadpan look, slight grin on her face, just like pumping away. Uh, and she looked like an unstoppable force, especially when she was running on that wall. Yeah, uh, at one point. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, she, uh, of course, and during the scene, a million different uh, tinfoil hats were being uh, thrown in the recycling bin yeah. as it went on. Uh, so, <sighs> and just to just to clarify what what you mean, Brian, um, you sent me a screenshot of. Uh, either the wave or Arya coming out of a, a tunnel, and there it was, was the a wave. Sh- it was the wave, and there was a shadow standing behind the wave, and it looked just like Serio Pharrell. Uh, it did. It looked yeah. like Serio Pharrell's uh, silhouette. So once again, the fandom made this show mo- much more interesting than it actually was. Um, and that was on top of a million other theories. Of- right, because we did. Because this is all based on. Last week's episode with Arya was so dumb. the The five minute scene was so dumb that something must be there. There must be something more to it. D- yeah, it didn't even seem possible. Right. So, and this is the other thing about the wave is she's chasing Arya around town. I mean, she's a terrible assassin if she has to chase people through crowds. Right. This. Yeah. There's no guile going on at all. No. Um, no, and you would think that this is. Based on the way that Jack and Hagar assassinated people in wherever the hell they were prior, um, I mean, you would think that the faceless men are all of, and with the way Ari was going to assassinate somebody, you wait for the right time, right. you find and out this, how to do but it. But this gets what, me all back to what what we're going to talk about at the end of the scene is what does Ari gain from this whole yeah. long experience? So after all this parkour, Arya opens up wounds and she leads a uh, blood trail that leads to Arya's hidey hole. And um, once uh, the wife tracks her down in the hidey hole, Arya slices the candle, and it's I guess it falls off, but I'm not entirely sure how that put the yeah, candle Yeah, I'm pretty out. sure, yeah. <laughs> Wicks to learn, you know? I w- I'm pretty sure that I thought the same thing. I thought if she cut off the wick to the candle, maybe that would have done it, or the air. But I-, I would propose everybody here, and if you're a small child, get a candle light it, get a really sharp knife, and then cut the top of the candle off, you'll see that the candle will still continue to burn. It's a real shame Mythbusters are no longer around because they could have handled oh, this. I hated the Mythbusters. They were just <laughs> they were just the most too unlikable people in the world. Oh, man. Oh, besides the guys that do uh, After the Thrones. Don't get well, me they, started. There's going to go... Uh, there goes our... Uh, our entire audience, because I don't think many people watch Game of Thrones and didn't like uh, Mythbusters, at least to some extent. But anyways, um, All right. so then uh, presumably, or I guess Arya does kill the waif, and we cut to the temple, and we see Jack and Hagar finds blood all over blood trails, follows the blood trails to find the waif's face upon the Hall of Faces. Um, and that's when he realizes he has no staff left, and tomorrow has, he has to set up for a job fair to recruit assassins. But he says, Ugh. you know, you, she comes in and says, you told me to kill her. Yes, I did. But here you are, and there she is. A finally girl, a girl is no yeah, one. Finally a girl is no one. So this was some kind of like master class. And then so she passes the thing, and she's like, I am not no one. I am Arya of House Stark, and I'm going the fuck home. And he gives her like a smile and a nod, like he he's Mr. Miyagi. Don't they have some? Shouldn't they have some kind of problem with the recruits? Just fucking quit. Like you don't quit a gang. Like if you if you go through the if you know these all are the, the most gangs, deadly assassins right. in the entire world, right? And she's just gonna stroll out of there. 
It seems ridiculous, right? And then I wrote down, what the fuck is this garbage? What did she, yes, what the fuck is this garbage indeed? And then what did she learn? Did she learn master assassin skills? Because she did not display them at all with her showdown with the waif. If the showdown with the waif would have been like a spy versus spy situation where she's setting up all sorts of traps and she's wearing faces and the, like it would have been back and forth, maybe this could have been saved. So I just made it better in my two second first draft of the situation. What we discussed earlier, if she was prepared on the bridge, was wearing like medieval Kevlar. Right, and and drew her back to the hiding hole to begin with. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. This this was so stupid. I mean, I, I guess she has now. If you take a bigger picture view of it, she's now realized that she doesn't want to become no one. She wants to become Arya, and she wants to wreak vengeance. So I guess she does have more assassin skills. Whoop de doo. Yeah. Didn't how need does 20 this, episodes to get to that point? How does this? Once again, just like the Hound. How does this impact the greater story? Yes. Yeah, so now she's got. She can fight people in the dark. Terrific. Right. What does it have to do with White Walkers? What does this have to do with uh, how is she going to help John or Arya? Uh, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Is she going to go to the to King's Landing? Is she going to pick up back up her list? If she was going to pick back up her list with a skill set that would, you know, I have a very specific set of skills. <laughs> if she would have been Liam Neeson in uh, Taken... And now she's ready to finish off her list. I would have been more excited. But right yeah. now, she's going back to, to Westeros to do fucking what? I don't know. I don't know either. Um, was this all a big waste of time? The, like, Arya being Bravos for two and a half seasons? Yeah, I think it, I think it really was. Uh, not that the actual what happened was a waste of time. I just think it's one of these things where it could have been cut down to a quarter of what was shown on screen right. and accomplish the same goal. Just um, like the Danny stuff. There, there was no reason, I guess. Do you think, I mean, Arya is obviously a, a fan favorite, just like Tyrion and Danny, I guess. But it seemed like we just wasted so much time here with this, like getting beat up in the street. You know, people had all sorts of fantastic ideas about whether the waif was a, a construct, like in fight club of Arya's yeah. subconscious. These things are all way more imaginative and interesting than what actually happened. And I, I, I don't. I should have compiled them for all these theories that got shot down uh, by how terrible this episode is. So that's the end of the episode. Uh, Arya walks away, no big deal. Um, and I got to tell you, I'm going to give this episode a point five. Yeah, of- I think I agree. Yeah. Oh wow, you don't even have like a snarky comment about your rating system. Ugh. What's worse I'm than too- a turd sa- sandwich? Uh, I-, I guess turd sandwiches without buns. Yeah, that's what I said at the beginning of the episode. All right. Yeah, so I agree with you. I'm gonna yeah. interpret this as a point five. This was an awful, awful episode. There were some bright moments with uh, uh, Cersei. Uh, let me think. I like the hound stuff. The hound, you liked it. I wasn't that that great. I wasn't big on it, and still, it just seemed like I don't know where it's gonna hap- where it's gonna go from here. Um, but yeah, this this was just an awful episode. I found it tedious and just trying to watch it a second time, uh, and I really don't ever want to go watch it again. So uh, I'm glad it's over. Yeah, I mean, it was punctuated by a man sticking a finger up another man's butthole. Which is always great. All right, so uh, 
The next week on had nothing but exclusive uh, Bastard Bowl um, shots. And yes. the name of the episode, I think, is like the Battle of the Bastards or something like that. Uh, so Wait, it's that Stinkfinger? It's <laughs> Stinkfinger 2, The Revenge. Um, so I guess that's fine. The only things of import we saw were, uh, you know, it doesn't look good for the Starks, which is what we knew last episode, so it's nothing... Uh, earth shattering there mm. we see Davos hanging around what can I only assume is the pyre of um, whatever his name is Shireen Shireen's pyre so he finds out what happens to Shireen I imagine yeah I don't think no, that that could be anything else I don't know how he figures it out but uh, that'll be interesting and then um, John tells Melly Mel not to bring him back. Not to bring him he back. Dies. And mm-hmm. he also, he has this one line when I can only imagine he's going to parlay with Ramsey because we need that showdown, I guess. Uh, as he says, you know, all these people don't have to die, just one of us. So I think that's John, like, at, before the battle begins, going up to him saying, hey, uh, we can do, tr- you know, you know, trial, uh, whatever, one-on-one combat, you and me, and we'll play for the uh, River uh, uh, Winterfell. So I imagine that's not going to happen because we see a huge battle ensue and we see Wong Wan smash, which is great. And we see a lot of arrows, a lot of charges. So I wonder, are we going to spend the entire episode up here, do you think? Um, Because that's all they showed in the next on? Yeah, I mean, there there was other, there was John and Sansa arguing about, um, you know, about how bad Ramsey is. I think there's going to be some, a lot of buildup. Right, but But is it just these central characters? Are we not going to see Marine? We're not going to see Bran? We're not going to see... That's what the preview indicates. And um, I'm optimistic about this one because this is the guy... The director of this one is going to be the director from the Hard Home episode. Okay. um, Which, you know, that's... I think that's been the best action in in the... At least that part of the episode has been the best action in in the series so far. So I'm optimistic about it, but what I am wondering is... uh, God, you, just, you texted me that you wanted to quit the show when you watched this episode last night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I was joking, but I'm just worried that this is going to be like it's it's going to be in 45 minutes or 50 minutes of uh, battle, 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 battle. Oh, it's looking bad, and then all of a sudden, Lord of the Rings Gandalf comes in over the hill, I, and the I wrote, sunrise. I wrote and Gandalf told, Littlefinger shows up just in time. To, you know that's what's going to happen because this is just yeah. a fucking dumb TV show. This is. Yeah what people criticize it for being. This is a dumb sword and sorceries, tits and dragon show. Uh, and I've never felt more convinced of that after this episode. And it's a shame too, because I mean, I felt really bad. I, I can't remember what the other episode was that I was really disappointed in, in this season. But I remember there's a really bad episode this season where I said the same thing. I was like, this is a pretty low point. Um, but this was worse. This was just, it's demoralizing. Like I, I really don't have much hope for the for the show. I'm just kind of hate watching it. Um, which is yeah. how I got into this to begin with. I think that's just a gut reaction to what this terrible episode was. Because You're right. the rest, You're right. I'll get over it. But yeah, so. the other the other seven that we've seen, there was one that you thought mediocre, and the other six you liked. Uh, I, you know, I'm not gonna say that. I'll go back and review the scores. I think there was one that we both uh, didn't like aggressively, but um, I will say nothing this bad. Nothing this bad. And number, I just can't. They build up so much great potential, and they just blew it all. Um, 
it's just really, it's really, uh, yeah, it's really depressing. So, all right. Uh, do you have anything else to say about uh, how how you feel about this episode or what's coming next? Um, I think you're right. I think the we're gonna get nothing but bastard bold next week, and then uh, episode ten is gonna be crazy, wrapping up everything else. The trial in uh, King's Landing. What hap- What's happening with Bran? I hope we get just what's what his next turn is or where he's going because he's not gonna live in a tree under the you know the hill anymore. I guess uh, Arya is she coming back? Uh, Danny, I guess she's gonna kill everybody in the Marine, which I really don't care about because she's. I don't think she's. We're gonna get the Ironborn. Maybe the Ironborn just show up and that's how they end it. Um, I'm just doing rampant speculation at this point. Yeah, uh, so there's, I mean, there's enough open threads for them to put together a real piece of shit episode 10. (laughs) All (laughs) right, but we are getting ahead of ourselves, so uh, we are, we'll meet you, we'll see you next Tuesday uh, to recap the Bastard Bowl, or the Battle of the Bastards, whatever they're calling it. Um, But until then, guys, stay safe, and uh, just know that uh, we love you, we really do. This is Doug. And with me is Ryan saying good night, good luck, and I'm sorry. Good night, jerky.